Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your, we thank you for your grace, your mercy. We thank you for your presence in our lives. When we are unfaithful, you are faithful. You are perfectly, completely reliable in every way. You are our Lord and our Savior. You have given us your grace when we did not deserve it. You have saved us from our sins. <clears throat> you have forgiven us and justified us. You have adopted us into your family. And now we have the opportunity to hear your word today. And we pray that as we come to this part of our time together, we thank you for singing praise to your name. We, we hope that you will receive what we have said to you in song. May the praise of our lips be acceptable in your sight. May you look at our hearts and see that we desire more than anything else to be followers of Jesus Christ and to love you with all of our hearts. We pray, Lord, today for this church and we pray for the people in this church, many who are here today and others who cannot be with us. We pray for those who listen today. Uh, who cannot be with us. We pray for those who are sick in our midst and others discouraged and in despair. May you raise them up. May they find joy and hope in knowing Jesus Christ and trusting him in all the circumstances of life. And for our world, we pray that many would be saved and hear the truth of the gospel and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is good for us to be together, and we thank you for another privileged day that we have this Sunday together and uh, to be together and sing praise and bless the ministries of this church in the days ahead until Jesus comes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning, and it's good to see all of you who are here. I'm Pastor Mike, and we're honored to have you if you're a guest. Uh, we're delighted that you're here. Please let us know how we can help you. We, we would love to do that in any way. Uh, if you're new to our community, God bless you. I know that there, uh, about every week, uh, I've run into people who are new in the area, and we're glad that you're here, and welcome to Middle Tennessee. If you're here and new to the, to the area, let us know. As uh, Brother Todd was telling you earlier, call us, email us, come by, talk to us before you get away at the Welcome Center. We'd love to know how we can help you. These days, I'm talking to the church about hoping in God. Last week, we began to talk about this and have this conversation. And I've determined it best that, and if you'll turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, that's where we'll be today. 1 Peter chapter 1, we'll continue this conversation together. For I'm burdened that I, I'm, I'm burdened that uh, as your pastor, I, as, as we talk together and I hear you and I observe your life, that's part of my responsibility if I'm going to pray for you. I see that there are many who seem to be caught in despair and seem to be discouraged among God's people. And I want you to know that uh, even in the midst of your despair, though your hope may be weak, you can hope in God. So I call you again today as, um, as uh, we begin hope in God. We saw it last week from the psalmist. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Hope in God. Hope in God. So that is our theme. And I've determined to use, now that you're in 1 Peter chapter 1, I've determined to use myself and give you my confession of the hope that is in me. And I hope it'll be an example to you. You need to know, so Pastor Mike, how are you doing during these days in which we live? Well, before we read in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, I've, I'm using 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 15, 
uh, as the theme of how we build these uh, talks around hope in God. Peter says, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. I'm now speaking to every brother and sister in Christ in this room. What must you do in this world? What must you do in the midst of the trouble? What must you do when you're in despair, when you have personal problems and you have difficulties? Sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. And always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. So I've chosen to give you, this is the, my second confession to you of my hope in God today. And Lord willing, I'll have some other opportunities to share with you additional confessions of my hope in God. There is the need in this world more than anything else that God's people be filled with hope in a hopeless world. I don't have to stand and give you news events. I don't have to stand and give you current events. You live among a people, you live among those who you work with, those who are in your family, those who are your friends, those who are your neighbors, strangers all around us. Oh, the world is gripped by dark, dark hopelessness. It is the task of all of us to give account. Why are we different in this world of hopelessness? We are Christians. Why is it that we live like we do? Why is it we say what we say? Why is it we don't do what we do? Uh, don't do. It's because of the hope that's in us. And we need to be clear about what we say to other people about the hope that is in us. So we read today, and I'll begin reading 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 1, and we'll read through verse number 9. Our focus will be primarily on verses 3 through 9. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. And I say the same to all of you today, those listening to me. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure, truly. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Please notice the phrase, to a living hope. Through the resurrection, <clears throat> excuse me, of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are <clears throat> protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen Him. You love Him. And though you do not see Him now, but believe 
in Him. You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Heavenly Father, we thank you now for your word. May the blessed Holy Spirit be our teacher today. Meet us at the point of our need. Show us what it is in our lives that must change so that we might repent and make things right so that we live in the complete hopefulness you have promised to us and given us as a result of being saved. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, the focal truth today is this, I hope in God because I am born again. This is my second confession to you. I want to expand on it and say it a little bit um, more clearly because here we see in verse number three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his mercy has caused us, you see, God saved us. We'll talk more about this in a moment. And as a result of His mercy to save us, He has, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. So I am saved today. I am born again. I am a new creature in Christ. Mike Miller is. I'm declaring it to you. I am saved. I am born again. And I have living hope. I'm alive and I am hopeful because I am saved. I said this to you last week. I'll probably say it week by week to make my point and to clarify words. Words are important and the word hope is so greatly misused. The world has robbed the Christian meaning of hope and uses it in other ways. And I want to be clear that we understand the biblical truth around Christian hope and what it means to hope in God and what it means to have living hope. Well, I said this to you last week. I say it to you again. I, I have more hope in God through the Lord Jesus Christ today than I had last week in spite of my own personal problems. And I have them just like you do. I'm distressed by trials just like you are. You didn't need me to come and talk about those with you today. I'll talk to them about the Lord and trust Him about them. But in spite of those troubles in my own life and in spite of the world's mess. The world falling apart as it will because the end is near and things are coming to a conclusion. For the great day of the Lord to come, the reality is I am more hopeful in my life in Jesus Christ today. In spite of my own troubles and trials and the condition of the world and it's in pretty bad shape. Because I am born again. You see, being born again gives me the Christian grace of hope. You can't produce hope on your own. You cannot churn it up. You can't look in the mirror long enough, talk to yourself long enough, read books on it long enough to tell you that you inside of you can churn up your own hopefulness. It, it won't happen. You see, there are all kinds of false uh, views, false misunderstandings or realities of hope in the world. I name a few. There is the uh, false hope of optimism. I'm not talking about optimism when I stand here today and say that I hope in God. You see, the optimist says, I believe in my positive thoughts and the goodness of man. This is what the optimist says. The optimist in the world says, I believe in my own positive thinking and in, my own, and in the goodness of man. After all, man is good and 
everything because of my positive thinking and the goodness of man will turn out for good now and in the future. So says the optimist. Those, there's another form of false hope, the wishful. The wishful says, I believe in possibility. And sometimes the wishful and the optimist are blended together in this false view of hope. I believe in possibility. Everything, therefore, will turn out good now and in the future. You see, there's a possibility. This matter of wishing has to do with magic and and uh, the idea that we can be wishful about it and wish long enough and be optimistic about it and things will turn around in the world. And there won't be trouble and there won't be sorrow and we can just, we can optimize and wishfully think our way out of all the pains and troubles of life. Not a very good view of the world. The world's in bad shape and the world is getting worse day by day because of the sinfulness of man and the corruption of man and the wickedness of man. But there is another false view of hope and it is the presumptuous. Some who presume on God, they, they have a false assurance of salvation, not really saved. They know all the Christian words, they live in a Christian environment, but they're not really saved. They're not born again. Their life's not been changed, but they they, uh, they're, they're presumptuous. And the presumptuous says, I believe in probability. The presumptuous are good at math. The presumptuous says that, well, everything by probability, there is at least, at least, I mean, I'm going to be here a presumptuous optimist. Well, there's at least a 50-50 chance, perhaps, that everything will turn out good. And in the future. Those are false views of hope. If you say to someone, well, I hope you're better. And what you mean is I wish you better. Then just say, I wish you will get better. If you're living in some kind of probabilities. And you see, this is the way the world lives. Because the world doesn't believe in it. the certainty of God. And the order of creation and natural order. And all the things God has done. So, so to the... To the uh, uh, to the natural person, the worldling, the person who doesn't know God, they're, they're, we, they live in a world of chance. After all, everything was made by evolution that's here. You're just a chance. You're just a mistake anyway. Uh, th th this is the world's view of things. And it's, it's, it's just a chance that we're here. And hopefully, the world says, hopefully things will turn out all right for you. What a gloomy despair that leads to. That's why the hopeless say, I believe in nothing. The hopeless say, without God and without hope in the world. This is the lost man and woman who lives all around us. This is what you were like before you were saved. I believe in nothing. Everything will turn out bad now and in the future. Yes, hopelessness leads to complete, complete utter despair. But the Christian says, as we learn from Peter here, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and I love him. And I expect confidently, I confidently expect, in other words, it's going to happen that he will take care of everything now and in the future. That's Christian hope. Do you have today assured expectation? Are you living in confidence? One of our men said recently, um, as we uh, introduced this last week, we were in a Bible study and said, well, if this is the case that 
hope in God is assured expectation that, that God will do what He promises, that changes everything. It sure does. It's a game changer. You'll never live another day of life in despair if you allow hope to rise in your life. And I, So today when I d declare this to you, I declare my living hope in Jesus Christ because I'm born again. So there are three observations I make to you today. I hope in God because I'm born again and I joyfully hope and expect that my trials will glorify God. And I joyfully hope and expect in Jesus Christ my Lord even though I've never seen Him. You see, what we have in Peter here, my dear friends, and many of you in this room have studied the Word of God along like I have for many years. What you have here is a declaration, a confession of hope that Peter is making for these dear brothers and sisters who are chosen in Christ, who are believers, as he introduces us to in, in verse number one. But they're living in distress, and I am not. I am not pretending today. I know that the people in this room, as well as those who you, of you who listen to me, I've heard from you, and I appreciate your feedback, and I'm praying for you too. I know you're under various kinds of distresses. I understand that. The idea that a Christian would have no stress or distresses is false teaching. We live in this world and we are distressed as God's people in this world. God uses it for purposes we're going to see in just a, in just a moment. And what I believe Peter is doing here in verses 3 through 9 is giving a confession of hope in Jesus Christ. First of all, he declares that we have living hope. We have a hope that's alive. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, according to His great mercy. We're only saved because of the mercy of God. Think back where you were when God saved you through Jesus Christ and you repented of your sins. It was the mercy of God that brought you and brought you to life so that you might, be, so that you might walk with God and know things. He, by His mercy, He has saved us. He's caused us to be born again. As we put our faith in Him, this great mystery of hearing the gospel, hearing the truth, the good news that Jesus Christ died for sins, and then by faith I believe and I trust in Him, this glorious, amazing thing that happens. I become a new person even though I have the same name. I don't act the way I used to act. I look at things completely different. My values have changed. And on the inside, there are new emotions in my life that I never had before. And one of them is this. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. I live in hope regardless of the concerns and difficulties in my life. Look at this confession of hope. He has caused me to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. My, my salvation is as secure as Jesus is alive today. And because Jesus Christ is alive today and I have a living hope, my hope is founded and built upon Jesus Christ who is alive, ascended to heaven as our great King and High Priest, doing His work there, and as a result of that, I have an inheritance to come. Look at verse 4. To obtain. You're going to obtain something that you don't yet have. Hope, hope confesses the future. Because we believe now by faith in the promises of God for what He is going to provide for us in the future as His children. 
There is something that you will, verse 4, obtain. It's an inheritance. It's all tied to being saved and having eternal life. It is imperishable. It's undefiled. It will not fade away, verse 4, and it's reserved in heaven for you. Whatever I go through on the earth, I have something reserved for me beyond this world and beyond death. That's what hope says. If I lay in the hospital dying, I have, if I'm saved, an inheritance beyond the grave. I have hope in my difficulties, if I'm having trials in my family, if I'm having struggles in my personal life, if work is hard, if, if you're growing up, boys and girls, and things are difficult at school or with your friends. Look, when you come to know Jesus Christ, there is a living hope that sets your mind on things above, on things that are to come. I expect to go to heaven as God has promised through the Lord Jesus Christ when I die. And oh, by the way, I expect God to take care of me by His power while I live on this earth. Notice what he goes on to say. Who are protected, verse 5, by the power of God through faith. So I said this to you last week, faith and hope always go together. The condition of your hope as a believer today is tied to your faith and the condition of your faith in God. Faith, hope, faith, hope. It's like your feet as you walk. You walk by faith and as you walk by faith, you have hope. Faith, hope. When troubles come, number two, I joyfully expect that my trials will glorify God. So as I, as I realize that I'm born again, there is a living hope that comes out of me. I have great expectation in Jesus Christ and for all that He's promised that I will have beyond what I can see and beyond what I know. Hope is grounded upon the faith we put in God's promises of what you don't see today and what you don't know. That's the, that's the difference between us and the unbelieving world. You see, joy now starts to arise. This assured confidence, this assured expectation of hope, these things start to mingle together. And there is in my life, joy is not giddiness. It is assured confidence in God. It is in this you greatly rejoice. We rejoice today because there is Great promise for us in heaven in the days ahead because of our faith in Christ. But then he says in verse 6, though for now, for a little while. So I speak to you, my brothers and sisters, in the little while. And the little while is a, is a while of distress and troubles. You know, it's better for you if you're young to not know all the trials and troubles that will come in your life. It's better for you to just learn to trust God as you're young so that you can walk through whatever they are that God brings your way or permits to happen in your life. But distress by various trials is present in the lives of every person I'm speaking to in this room. The trials vary. Some are very hard. Some are lifelong. Some are short term. Some come, some go. We live in a world, we're distressed by the pressures of the world, we're distressed by our own passions and our own flesh that fights against walking with God. We, we're distressed by the temptations and, we, and the tricks and the lies of the devil. We, we deal with this distress and oh, the pressures and pains of the world. We live in a world of lostness and godlessness. 
We are distressed. So what do we do? We hope in God. Living hope expects that my trials will glorify God. Look at this and read it very carefully. Even though now for a little while, verse 6, if necessary, it's necessary for you and I to be distressed in our lives. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, verse 7, even though tested by fire, that's what happens in your trials, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, I joyfully hope, expecting that God, for whatever reason, is permitting these trials to come in my life. I joyfully expect and hope in God in the distress of it. And some of you are bent low. You are troubled. As we saw last week, the psalmist said, Why are you in despair? Uh, that word means to bow down. Why are you bent over and why are you disturbed? Oh, my soul. That is that inside churning and you're here this morning and you have it and you can't seem to shake it. It seems that your distresses are greater than God. <clears throat> it seems that your troubles are greater than what God can handle and what He can do for you through the Lord Jesus Christ. But hope rises above the distresses and trials of life as they come at whatever age. And you see, what I learn is that my distresses are producing and testing my faith. Here's the question. Will you trust God in your greatest distress? Will you trust God in your greatest distress? Oh, Pastor Mike, I didn't think it... I didn't think it'd end up like this. I understand that. You see, I said it to you last week. The more you know God through the Lord Jesus Christ, the more you'll trust Him. And the more you trust Him, the greater your hope will be. Hope will rise. Hope rises as you put your trust in Jesus Christ. Now, your, your faith is being tested. But it's being tested in order that you might glorify God. Notice... What happens at the end when the Lord Jesus comes and all is revealed about why we've gone through all we've gone through in our individual lives? It is, as he says here, so that you may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I'll say this to you. So what if it's more glory? Perhaps it, it's greater glory to God that you suffer in sickness than to be well. Perhaps it's greater glory to God that that family issue is never resolved. Did you hear what Brother Steve said about the, the hymn we sang today? This dear child through an accident is blind, Fanny Crosby. Yeah, Fanny Crosby. And at, and at six months of age, she grows, she finds Jesus Christ as Lord and wrote some of the most amazing hymns in Christendom. Perhaps your distress will remain all the days of your life. So does that mean you have no hope? No. It means that in the midst of this, this is the confession of hope, that you rejoice even though now for a little while, if necessary, you're distressed by trials so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, please see it there in 7, 
though it's tested by fire, will result in praise, glory, and honor. At the re you see, everything in my life is about glorifying God. It's not about myself. If, you, if, you, if your view of salvation is, well, I'm saved so that I'll just be a happy person. I'm saved so that everything in my life will just be wonderful and I'll just have no problems. We're saved to glorify God. And we're saved to glorify God. And Peter is reminding his distressed brothers and sisters who were scattered all over <clears throat> Asia Minor. He's reminding them as I'm reminding this group of people in Dixon County today that we joyfully hope in Jesus Christ. Our living hope is a joyful hope even though we suffer great trials. Ignatius was one of the early pastors in the early church. He was arrested at an older age. In fact, he was in his late 60s, 70s. He was arrested after being a pastor because he would not submit to the Roman government and offer incense to Caesar and say Caesar is Lord. So he was, here they come with all the soldiers to get this aging pastor, Ignatius. He was going to be martyred. It was a sure thing. It was a guarantee that he would be taken care of. The Romans had their own brutality and martyrdom. But Ignatius wrote words of hope that I share with you. What greater distress could come than that someone says, you're now going to die because you're a Christian. We're now going to put you to death because you're a Christian. Ignatius said, what a statement, confession of hope in his trials. To what end have I given myself up to perish by fire or sword or savage beasts? Simply because when I am close to the sword, listen to these words of hope. The world doesn't talk like this. Simply because when I am close to the sword, I am close to God. And when I am surrounded by the lions, I am surrounded by God. But it is only... In the name of Jesus Christ for the sake of sharing in his sufferings that I could face all of this. For he is the perfect man and he gives strength to me so that I may do so. You see, as I, listen carefully now, as I trust in God, it leads to hope in God while I wait on God in my trials. That's for you today. Expectantly waiting. Because God will complete His promises to you in His time. I joyfully hope and expect in Jesus Christ, though I have never seen Him. There's not one person in this room since the apostles. They had to live the last part of their life not seeing the Lord anymore. But they were privileged to see Him in person. Not a one of us have seen the Lord Jesus in person how sweet these words. He says to those, even those to us. Verse 6, even though you have trials. And then another, another one, even though you've never seen him. The world says to you, oh, you Christians, you believe in someone you've never seen? Yes. His name is Jesus Christ. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I have never seen him with my eyes. But I confess to you, it is the confession of my hope. Though I have never seen Him, I love Him. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? If you love him, you keep his commandments. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Is he first? Is he the one that goes first? Is, is your obligation and your desire to glorify him and honor him and love him, though you have never seen him in the midst of your distress, what is it God's doing? Why would he do this to me? I thought God loved me. Why would he do? Though you have not seen him in your distress, you love him. That's what hope says. I love God even when he puts me through the hardest things. When he permits or allows the hardest things to come in my life. They are a message that God loves you. I know this sounds strange to your ears. Your distresses are a message that God loves you. For what father does not discipline his children whom he loves? You see the distresses in our life remind us of the unseen Christ. Well... He says, though you do not see him, you love him, but you also believe in him and you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. And then notice this contrast. I can't elaborate because of my time is being gone, but in verse 9, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. When I am born again, I believe in the Lord Jesus whom I have never seen. And I come to have a great love for him and hope rises in him because all my hope is now set in the Lord Jesus Christ, my unseen Lord and Savior. And I believe in him and guess what? I obtain the outcome of my soul. Up above in verse number four, I'm going to obtain an inheritance when I die. Hope, hope says... As I tried to say at the beginning, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and I expect, I assuredly expect, I am convinced that he will take care of everything now and in the future. So what do we need to remember today? Well, hope is in you when Christ is in you. That's what I'm trying to say. Hope is in you when Christ is in you. And hope expectantly waits for God God's best in the stresses of life. I, I've never thought about this. I'm trying to understand it. I'm trying to learn. Is this God's best for me to be distressed? Yes. If I'm a follower of Jesus. What do you think at 3,000 are saved at Pentecost and then the martyrdoms start and they... The march of martyrdom and the blood of saints flowing through the generations. Is this God's best for the distressed saint? Well, hope says, I have confidence in God. Whether I live or die, I will trust Him. I will live for Him. I have not seen Him, but I love Him and I believe in Him. This is the way believers talk in the world. You see, hope in God sees beyond the temporary troubles to the glory of God. If all you're talking about are your troubles, you're not seeing the glory of God. God's glory is seen in the troubles. Hopefully, joyfully confess confidence in Christ. So how do we use all this in our lives? What can I say to all of you who are here? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. My friend, 
don't live in counterfeit Christianity. Don't live with, don't live, don't live your life with a false assurance that you're saved, but there's no marks, there's no evidence in your life. You don't have any desire for God. You have no love for Jesus Christ. You don't care about the word of God. You don't want to do anything that's right for others. It's all self-centeredness. And this is kind of a, a civic religious thing you do. Be saved. Oh, don't live your life and sit in church and be lost and go to hell. Be saved. Repent of your sins and be born again. And you will discover the greatest hopefulness that life can provide. And if you're a believer here today, I said it to you before, hope in you is because Christ is in you. Why would you choose despair? You must look at your faith. Are you trusting God in your troubles? Are you trusting God in your despair? Rejoice. You're a new creature in Christ. It'll never be taken away from you. It is as assured as the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Once you're saved, yes, you're saved forever because you are now in Christ and Christ is in you. So live in joyful hope in Jesus Christ. If you lose your eyesight, live in joy in Jesus Christ. If you lose your possessions, live in joyful hope. Uh, in joyful hope of Jesus, in Jesus Christ, if you lose your health, if you suffer great harm, if you're troubled, if you are, if you're experiencing from the world re rejection, Peter said in 1 Peter 3, 14, but even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. You are blessed. So this is the way hopeful people who hope in Jesus Christ live, and this is the way we talk. That's why people say to us, when we talk like this in the world, why are you so hopeful when everything seems so hopeless? Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts and always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account of the hope that's in you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.